The unique and one of my favorite non-alcoholic drinks I'm having right now is the Saskatoon by For Bitter For Worse. It comes in a beautiful dark red color and you can tell by the thickness of the liquid that it is going to have a lot of texture like a bold red wine. When you pour it, you get hints of Douglas fir tips and juicy Saskatoon berries mingled with bitter botanicals. And when you taste it, you'll get hints of tart berry and black pepper that creates a beautiful beverage that is a little less sweet than a typical Negroni. For Bitter For Worse makes some of the most unique non-alcoholic drinks on the market and they can be enjoyed by themselves if you like bold flavors or mixed in cocktails to make something truly memorable. Hi everyone, I'm Marco Salazar and welcome to the For All Drinks podcast, your place for discovering delicious non-alcoholic beer, wine, spirits, mocktails, and more for leading a fun, healthy, and inclusive lifestyle. On today's episode, we'll be chatting with Shelly Elkovich, founder of For Bitter For Worse. Thanks so much for joining us today. For Bitter For Worse was inspired by Shelly and Jeff Elkovich's long, sparky marriage and love for celebration. When they made the choice to drink less alcohol, they were frustrated by the lack of sophisticated options. They are innovators and flavor chasers who set out to make the kinds of drinks they enjoyed, cocktails they were proud of to serve their friends. This led to delicious drinks containing no added flavors, natural or otherwise, and are low glycemic and low carb, sweetened with pure monk fruit, wine grape nectar, or maple syrup. Whether you're a designated driver, sober for life, or just pacing yourself at the party, For Bitter For Worse has you covered. So here she is, Shelly from For Bitter For Worse. Hey Shelly, welcome to the Four All Drinks podcast. Hi Marcus, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today because when I tasted um, the drinks from For Bitter For Worse, the thing that stood out and is so uh, aligned with the type of drinks that, uh, that I enjoy in the non-alcoholic beverage space is they are deep and they are complex and they are strong, um, both if you want to drink them by themselves, but they make for perfect mixers to create amazing non-alcoholic cocktails. So to kick it off, I'd love for you to just share where did the idea for For Bitter or For Worse come from? Thanks so much. I'm glad you're a fan. Yeah. So my husband, Jeff, and I started the business together and the catalyst was basically two life events, a job loss and health challenge. So Jeff had spent most of his career or all of his career actually as a hydrogeologist. And a few years ago, he learned that the company that he was working for was going to be abruptly shutting down. So once we recovered from the shock, we thought about the opportunity we had to revision our lives and decided that maybe we should do something together. And we quickly settled on drinks because we've always been flavor chasers. We were those people with the overflowing fridge of all the concoctions. He made wine and beer and I made vermouth and bitters and liqueurs. And I'm sure you're hearing a lot of alcohol. It was a lot of alcohol at that point. We had our evening cocktail hour together. So we made a bold move and rented out our home for six months and house sat on the San Juan Islands of Washington state. Very beautiful remote island, just tranquil and idyllic, although a little fraught because we didn't know what our livelihood would be. And we just did this deep dive. It was like a retreat. And then the second thing happened. We went on a whale watching trip in the Salish Sea with some of our friends. And we saw a pod of orcas, including babies. It was just spectacular. Still water, sparkling day, beautiful. And then that night, it was clear something was wrong with me. I was falling. It's like I was drunk. I was eventually diagnosed with something called mal de debarquement, disembarkment syndrome, a very obscure neurological disorder that makes you feel like you're drunk all the time. 
So clearly I could not drink alcohol anymore. And I very quickly missed our evening ritual. And that was a light bulb moment. We're like, oh my gosh, there's nothing out there particularly ready to enjoy that suited my palate. So we, that's how the business was born. We just dove in from that moment and understood what our purpose was. And it's been amazing. I'm, it was the oddest way for a business to start, but it's been really wonderful. I love it. I love that story. And, and I think there's an opportunity, especially just even in the context that we're in during COVID, is to be able to take a step back and pause. And I love that you use the word re revision and also just reimagine what do we want our lives and what do we want this to look like? And then taking into context the current life events that, that <laughs> had that led you to this. So you have this idea where does it go from there? It was a lot of experimentation. And to back up, I would also say any journey or any story has multiple beginnings. And so we could go back to maybe 2017 when a group of our friends had a month-long health challenge that we called Wholesome as Fuck February. And we chose the 28-day month as the shortest uh, <laughs> to support each other in whatever we felt was wholesome. And for everyone, that was different. Some people, it was meditation. Some people, it was running. But across the board, it did include not drinking alcohol. And I was always the resident bartender. Our home was the social hub. And the idea was that we would socialize as usual, but we wouldn't drink alcohol. So I did start playing with some recipes back then. And I quickly tried to recall those as I started experimenting. Fast forward to, for better or for worse, started working on those. But it was a lot of trial and error. We had so much fun. We're on the island we foraged Douglas fir tips, which did make it into one of our drinks. We foraged salal berries, which did not. So we even played with seaweed. We just lots of crazy fun iterations. And and I think with what the type of drink that you're providing, if you're looking to think about a, a non-alcoholic beverage brand, there's like beer, spirits, and wine. And you all fit into this really interesting and new category that doesn't neatly fit into that. Because I, I think you, the, the flavors that you provide in the three of your drinks is just very unique. So I'd love for the listeners to hear, can you go through the different, uh, each of the different drinks and what each person would, what people would experience as they're drinking them? Sure. Yeah. So we have three varietals at present, and I really wanted to look at the different occasions and flavor wheelhouses that I enjoy without mimicking a spirit or, or something that's a particular drink. The first one is Eva's Spritz, and it's a sparkler. It's kind of tart and refreshing. It's modeled by on an Aperol Spritz. Not as sweet, because I find even when I was drinking alcohol, I found Aperol Spritz to be a bit too sweet. But it's definitely in that aperitif, light, refreshing wheelhouse. And then the Saskatoon is herbaceous and it's got these bright tannins from the foraged Douglas fir tips, a little bit of a warming quality from some of the herbs and spices that we use. It holds up very well to food. Many people, myself included, use it where one might use a, a red wine like a Pinot Noir. Again, it's not a de-alcoholized wine, but it's it's got that kind of flavor profile as well as a little bit of that bitter Campari edge. You can play with that one and make an interesting non-alcoholic Negroni, for example. And then the last one is our potent sipper and that's smoking number 56. I was thinking a little bit about the warming brown drinks, whiskey-ish kind of flavors when I thought about that one. It has maple syrup, so it's sweeter than the others, but still very potent and bitter forward. And it's smoky from Lapsang Sushang tea, so it's a naturally smoked tea that gives it that aroma and flavor. And the other thing that I like about each of the drinks is that they're beautiful in terms of the different types of red from a lighter 
uh, red to a super dark red. But I think for me, and we've maybe shared, I have a very similar palette. I love these type of bitter drinks. But the other thing that's really great about your drinks is there's a texture to them, which mm. I really like as well. So it's really this nice combination of both. And so how did you end up deciding on each of these types of flavors? Again, I was following my taste. Thanks for appreciating the texture because that is hard to achieve in a non-alcoholic drink. I could talk about the order. I made the spritz first and it was, it came together pretty well. It didn't take too many iterations. And then I worked on smoky number 56 and that one was a bear. It took more than, well more than over 56 iterations. But Jeff liked the sound of 56. So we left that as the name, but we were well into the sixties, at least by the time I settled on the formula. And then the Saskatoon was the final one. And I was I was in love with Saskatoon juice. It's, a, it's an indigenous berry in North America and it's very rich and a little vegetal. It's not quite like a blueberry. It's richer than that. So that was the namesake of that drink. And it did start with Saskatoon, both the name and the berry. And then the bright tannins from the fur are what really made me start to think about wine. Because in, when I started, it was really just thinking about working with that berry and that color, to be honest. I guess it's a little strangely poetic. It wasn't necessarily just about what this drink might be in in my life. It was like, oh, I want to think about this smell and this juice and this flavor. What will I do with that? Does that make yeah. sense? Absolutely. And for those of you that have not tried any of the drinks, there's kind of two elements. You can get them in larger bottles, and then Shelly offers a, a variety pack with the three. And I think I have a very strong memory of tasting because I tasted all three at the same time from the sampler pack. And the other thing that is unique about your your drinks is they transport you to different places. And what I mean by that, and and everybody who's listening, please think about this when you're trying them out, is that with the Eva Spritz, you were transported to a garden. Mm-hmm. When and, and that's how and that's what I felt. I think that when I tasted your drinks, it, it, there was a visual component to it. When you take when you taste the Saskatoon, I was thinking about my trip in the north upper northwest in Oregon and in Washington and these huge fir trees. And when I had the smoky number fifty six, I was hanging out by the campfire with all my friends. And it was really interesting to have non-alcoholic beverages and just beverages in general, just be able to do that. Have you gotten similar reactions from people on that? Oh my gosh. It's like you're inside my head. This is so fun. Um, What I'm about to share hasn't, it's not out publicly yet, but we're working on a rebrand and some images that evoke exactly what you're talking about. And the spritz, we, we talked about the table because we're all about making space at the table and gathering gathering um, people together when possible to uh, share drinks. And so the Eva Spritz, the table is the picnic table. The Saskatoon is a lavish dinner table magically conjured in the middle of an old growth forest. And a smoking number 56 is the fireside table, either around the fire, the hearth in the home or outside of the campfire. And we even went further and started associating national parks with each flavor. And so the Spritz is the Channel Islands, the the water, sunlight sparkling on water and the breezy California sunshine. And Saskatoon is Olympic National Park with the beautiful dug firs and the mosses and the ferns. 
and uh, smoking number 56 is Yellowstone. You just, you hit it. It's interesting that you were transported to the places that I've been thinking about. That just delights me. Love it. Love it. So what what made you decide to do a rebrand? I love our art, first of all. We commissioned cut paper botanical art from a local Portland artist who works strictly in cut paper. And I, I just love what she does. And there are two things. One, we could not afford right away to do silkscreen bottles. So we had to go with a thin film plastic label that gives you a silkscreen look. However, plastic isn't really aligned with our values and we want to be a plastic free company. So that's one reason we're going to switch to paper. But also as we, as I can say, as we matured or or stepped into our power and possibility as a brand, we started thinking more about leading with our values and what an opportunity that is. And we want the label to convey that more than it does. One of the things we say now is that drinks are our love language. And when we say that, what we mean is that quite literally, we use love as the lens for our decision-making and that's love for each other, love for our workers, for the community and for the land. So it's really about being an inclusive and truly sustainable brand. And I'm excited to bring that aspect of our values to life on the package. And I love that. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording and kind of two things that are popping up. I think people are wanting to seek and form relationships with brands that share the same values. I think there are lots of brands that kind of speak it and it's one thing for you to speak it and then actually live it. And then the second thing, I think I see this in this emerging non-alcoholic beverage industry where there are a lot of mission-driven brands at various levels. And I think the foundational side of this industry is inclusivity, pillars inclusivity, wanting people to lead healthier, more intentional, conscious lives. That doesn't always come through with some of the brands, but it's awesome that you're wanting to integrate that and and have that be a central part of how people end up experiencing for better, for worse. Yeah, thanks. I'm really excited about it. So you started experimenting with the drinks and then where did that go afterwards from launching and how did launching go and how did that first year of growth go? We launched just six weeks before the first lockdown from the pandemic. So it, we call the business our COVID baby. The business doesn't know any different. It, it basically knows the pandemic. When we started, okay, so first of all, we were on the San Juan Islands for six months, trying all these recipes, just filling little mason jars. And then we moved back to our then home, Ashland, Oregon, and immediately started doing some pop-up free tastings where we were just pouring hundreds of drinks for anybody we could corral in off the street. And I really, I had a friend who helped us. She was grabbing everybody who walked by and, and then jotting down their responses. So we had great time sampling then. So then once we did a little bit more tweaking the on the formulas, some minor stuff at that point, we started the process of creating labels and stuff like that. And so by December of 2019, we had our first labels and our little hand applied label machine and we drove up to Portland for some holiday markets and we sold our very first bottle on my dad's birthday it was very exciting and right there at that first show we had two grocery buyers request meetings for the next day and we went from selling our very first bottle to having accounts in 28 stores overnight and oh wow Yeah, it was very exciting. And so we were thinking, okay, we'll start with specialty grocery because that's a place for us to really do demos and try and see how it performs on the shelves. Even though we'd launched, we're still in testing phase, right? We very quickly realized that we should move to Portland because it's a great food and beverage town. There's a lot of support here for entrepreneurs. And because frankly, we had to support all these 
stores. So at the show the next day, I was talking to a booth mate who was a crafter. And I said, I think we might move to Portland. I, I think, you know, we're going to have to find a commercial kitchen. And she said, oh, let me introduce you to my friend who makes Waterkeeper. He's got a kitchen. And he said, oh, I need a, I need a co-tenant. Day two, we had a, a kitchen. And then we went home and we told our community, our, our very dear friends that we'd lived among for almost 20 years, we're going to move to Portland. I think we're going to sell our house. And a friend said, I want to move from the country to town. I want to buy your house. So in, you know, five days time, it was all worked out. Oh, and in, in between there, there was also somebody who had told us they knew a place that we could live in Portland, found us, found us a sweet little house. So it all just came together in a week's time. It was insane. So we moved to Portland, we launched the brand in market of choice stores, and then COVID hit. And we were not able to demo and we were not able to launch at the bigger store, store with 18 chains, 18 stores, because they were, we were supposed to be launching there in mid-March. So then after COVID or when COVID hit, how did you end up pivoting to this online space? We realized that grocery stores were not the place to be, especially in the early days. So we made a website and we started selling online in May. And then it's just been great. The response has been just nearly overwhelming. I'm so happy that we ended up focusing on e-commerce because it's really allowed me to have a closer relationship to our customers. I, I get emails and cards and it's just really lovely to have that close connection that I think you don't get quite as close contact with customers if they're buying from a grocery store, for example. So that's been great. So we've been really lucky with media response. We've had a couple of New York Times pieces and uh, the first New York Times piece really, really set sales through the roof. We had to, we were quickly sold out and we had to initiate a back order list as well as what we called the speakeasy. And it was a password protected um, page on our site so that we could meet demand in the order that it was that received. So people would basically sign up to buy each week's production. And we were ah. just making it to order basically as fast as we could. And then in addition to that, speakeasy, we also had the back orders that were going in where people knew it was going to be several weeks out before they could get product. So that, that worked for a while. And then we, of course, scaled up, increased our capacity, moved to another kitchen, still a shared space, but with more access. And then the wire cutter piece hit in January and they named two of our drinks among the top 14. Either Spritz and Saskatoon were listed as the four, among the 14 best drinks. So that was very exciting. And again, we leapfrogged our projections and growth was crazy again. We're back now where we're basically selling drinks as fast as we can make them pretty much. So we're planning uh to move to our own production facility and to purchase a proper bottling line and to scale up yet again. Are there any other types of products or anything else that you all are thinking about as you bring in this investment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got got lots of ideas. I've got notebooks brimming for sure. I've got another idea. When I think about pacing them, I would say there's another sparkler that I'm excited about. And we would also like to experiment with cans. Even though we are about sharing in a 750 mil wine bottle size format, we're excited to, to see at least a couple of our varietals in a, a nice sleek little can. So that is something that will be in the works. It'll probably be 2022, spring of 2022, but yes. 
I want to go back to the actual drinks because one of the things that I've noticed about yours in particular, and what I like about it is because they're bold and because they're strong, when you mix them up into a non-alcoholic cocktail, they don't, they're not diluted. I think that's mm -hmm. the great thing about it. And can you share a little bit about some of your favorite uh, cocktails that you end up making with each of the products? Yeah, that is one of the things that is somewhat unique about what we do. I wanted our drinks to be interesting enough and robust enough to enjoy straight out of the bottle. But for people who want to play around, to have fun things they can do with a shaker, or also just to lengthen them, because dilution is personal. So there, We have quite a few people who use a little sparkling water, seltzer, tonic to dilute our drinks. It's pretty easy to dilute a drink, but it's not easy to enrich a flabby one. So... I start out with a, a potent base and then people can play around. I encourage people to, to tweak and hack. And I love receiving uh, emails or, or DMs and Instagram, what people are, how people are using our drinks. Let's see, favorites. One of my favorites is a drink that I call Love Wins and it's made with the Saskatoon and it's basically a sour. It's very easy to do. It's just either simple syrup or some other sweetener, lemon juice, and then either aquafaba or egg white and you shake it hard with ice and strain it and it's just this really luscious beautiful rosy drink with a pink foam so that's a big favorite just if people were thinking about alcohol you might say like a negroni sour a campari campari sour that's a good one and then i think the thing that's surprising about smoking number 56 is what a chameleon it is it's a potent drink but it can go in a lot of different directions anything from a spicy bloody mary to a tiki style we've got a couple of couple of really interesting riffs on a pina colada. Our website has a lot of recipes, including some from fancy bartenders, world-class bartenders who've, who've uh, made a couple of drinks. Awesome. I, I think one of the things that's interesting about yours is that they can also be very good wintery drinks, just in terms mm, of the yeah. types of flavors. Like you could do a lot of mold. Uh, I know there's a mold Saskatoon on your site, as well as a cinnamon toddy and even eggnog. And I think there's some, there's you, they lend to, to, to some warm, cozy drinks. Yeah, that's true. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about you. Can you share us a little bit about your background as well as what are some of the experiences in your past work and personal that you feel have been beneficial for launching the brand? It's funny, on the face of it, you might say that nothing I did professionally prepared me for this, but I will say that actually, I think most of my background in nonprofits and food security and activism has been instrumental in the kind of community that I'm building with our brand. Honestly, if I were just making drinks, I probably wouldn't be satisfied. It's We have a goal of really changing culture. We want to transform drinks culture and also uh, business culture, corporate culture would be the word. So my activist past is probably the thing that I would say has been the most pertinent. And then Jeff, as a kind of a mad scientist, tinker engineer, has used a lot of his smarts in hacking equipment and designing processes and inventing the way that we manufacture. I come up with the ideas and the recipes, and then he helps implement and scale. Can you share a little bit about what you mean and dive a little bit into what you mean by culture and how you're looking to change that both from a kind of societal piece, but then also work? Yeah, it's it really is multifaceted. It's about inclusion and representation and equity and feminism and being sustainable, not just environmentally, but personally and interpersonally. And I want our employees to feel that this is the best place they've ever worked. 
And I don't want to just pay a living wage. I want to pay a thriving wage. We do not yet have personal relationships with farmers who supply our ingredients, but that's a goal. Right now, you know, everything we do is organic and fair trade or better, but I, I want to go beyond that and uh, look at more direct sourcing for herbs and spices and things like that. A lot of big goals. I also want to influence the conversation around what is premium, because we clearly have a premium liquid, but I will say that one of the things that happens with premium brands is that there's a lot of a lot of fuss about a big, heavy, expensive, expensive to ship bottle and a lot of what they call in the trade collateral materials, a bunch of stuff that just gets thrown in the recycling once you open your box. I'm interested in influencing a conversation around what is premium these days? What matters? It's, it's really about focusing on what matters. And that's inclusion, relationships, and a more sane and humane way of treating each other in the earth. It's been really fun getting to know you and the brand because both in terms of how you're talking about community, building community versus just customers, how you're wanting to engage your employees and everybody, you're making me think of how that type of change and influence is really a long-term goal. And and I, I come from a nonprofit background, like 15 years, and you recognize that if you want to be changing significant social or environmental problems, you really have to have a long-term view. It doesn't happen overnight. And, and I appreciate that that is how you're thinking about using business as a force for good. Thank you. I so admire the community you've built here at for, for All Drinks. My goodness, that first launch party was a blast. And people were, you created something special. There's no doubt about it. It's definitely a community. Thank you. Thank you. And I think we're operating on kind of the same path, which is there's a lot of people seeking a number of different things, seeking to be healthier, seeking to be included, not, not wanting to be treated like a second-class citizen, wanting to create community, but also making sure that everybody has options available to them, and also just wanting to make the world a better place. And uh, I appreciate that that's how you're viewing the company. How do you see this company or where do you see this three, five, 10 years from now, where do you see that big vision for better, for worse? We are definitely ambitious. We're looking forward to growing and sharing our drinks with as many people as we can. As I mentioned, also having a leadership role in looking at the ways that drinks culture can change and what we focus on is important. Yeah, we're not thinking that we're going to be a small local brand. We're interested in growing nationally and internationally. And we are also interested eventually in a strategic partnership that will lead to an exit with integrity because we are middle-aged people. I'm not thinking that I'm necessarily going to be working the way that I am 10 years from now, let's say. Are you willing to share what your favorite of the three are? You know, or is, people ask me that. It's, or is it based on occasion? Yeah. It, it, it's based on occasion. It's also based on weather. Right now, it is the Saskatoon, and I am just drinking it up in a wine glass. When I was less, I guess I've always been busy with this business, let's say, but we're in a particularly pressed, hard growing mode right now. And I am not getting out the cocktail shaker. Yeah. Not. 
I mean, I'm pouring it out of the bottle for sure. There, there are times when I'm much more excited about making lengthened drinks and coming up with new recipes. And I'm not doing as much of that right now. Of course, we're also not entertaining the way we usually are. So, you know, that will hopefully come again later this spring and summer because I do enjoy treating people to to fancy drinks. But right now it's, it's the Saskatoon in a wine glass with dinner. You, you point out something interesting just as an entrepreneur and to a certain extent, which is interesting, a couplepreneur. What's your day-to-day look like? How, as you're in this kind of beginning startup one to two years in, what does your day-to-day look like? I know you're doing everything, but would love to hear about that. We're lucky that we're not completely doing everything now. We ha- Our two kids have joined the team. So it's, it's truly oh, wow. a family business. Yeah, yeah. Rowan and Aubin are both in their 20s. They joined us early in the pandemic last year, well, almost exactly a year ago from New York City when New York was really having a rough time. And so we lived together for about six months here in Portland. Aubin subsequently went back to New York, but she's still involved. She is my assistant. She does a lot of the social media and a lot of research. We, we're just total nerds. There's always a lot of research to do. And then Rowan decided to, to move to Portland. So he is here and he is our fulfillment czar. He does, he bottom lines everything with shipping and also works in the kitchen with Jeff helping with production and is taking on a larger and larger role of production. So that part's super sweet. Day to day, I am very lucky that I have such a lovely and patient husband and business partner because he brings me coffee every morning in bed and our 70 pound lab jumps up on the bed and lays on my legs and I start the day with my laptop in bed with the dog and coffee because otherwise the dog's not happy. So I I work there until I just got to kick the dog out of bed and then then I get going with a little break, some yoga, stuff like that. I'm really trying to at least do that minimal self-care where I do a bit of yoga every day. And then it's quite varied. Lots of time with my computer, of course, Zoom meetings and working on the marketing aspects of the business. I'm not in the kitchen a ton. Jeff takes care of most of the production. So I'm there less now. He's doing most of that I don't know. And what, what's one of the things that you love most about, about your work? Oh, okay. That reminds me of how I closed most of the days is handwriting cards to our customers for oh, the which, next shipments. Which you guys very much appreciated that when I got the box. Thanks. Yeah. Now Rowan and our other occasional helper, Mary, do write some of the cards, but I still write many or most of them. And we have a lovely local business who makes letterpress handmade cards on antique equipment and we she makes our cards. And so in the evenings before bed, I usually write the cards. And I love that because it really does give me a, a moment to connect with my customers and to just feel grateful for what we're doing. It's exciting. I, I love what we're doing and I jump I don't care. I don't jump out of bed because I'm in bed with the dog for the first part of the day, but I'm excited to wake up and start working each day. Is there anything else that you'd want our audience to know about For Bitter For Worse or any of the products? I guess the only thing we didn't touch on that I feel proud of is that I call us a supernatural company. And I don't mean ghosts. I mean that we really take pride in the integrity of our ingredients. In addition to the organic and foraged ingredients that I mentioned, we don't take any lab-made shortcuts. So no natural flavors, which are made in a lab, no artificial flavors, no artificial colors or preservatives. And that's pretty rare. It's quite rare, actually. And so that's just something that I think if people are very discerning about what they consume, we offer something special there. And I can attest to that. I I think when I first tasted all three of the drinks, 
a couple things that just emerged was just like, as you mentioned, premium and just super high quality. You could tell that these products were made from care, love, and also just a high level of just quality. It comes off very easily from the first moment you take any sip of any of your drinks. Thank you. So thank you so much, Shelly. And where can uh, people learn more about your drinks? Forbitterforworse.com. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the day. Oh, it was such a delight. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you're inspired by Shelly's story as well as I really, really hope you get a chance to try all of their products. They are some of my favorite non-alcoholic beverages being bold and super flavorful and they can be consumed alone or they are a perfect mix to a non-alcoholic cocktail. If you're subscribed to the show, thanks for being part of the 4 All Drinks community. I'd be super grateful if you can take a moment to leave me a rating if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast. If you're not a subscriber yet, be sure to subscribe to this and all the other episodes of the podcast to start discovering more delicious non-alcoholic drinks. Lastly, visit 4 for show notes to this episode and sign up for our newsletter to get the latest non-alcoholic beverage news, special giveaways, discounts, and more. Here's to drinking healthy, inclusively, and different. See you all next week.